never wrong. What's up, world? We're back for another episode of Citus Livestocks, where we strengthen our strengths and educate our weaknesses. And today, we have two special guests. We have a Houston jewel, no pun intended, Mr. Hal Martin of Hal Martin's Jewelry Store, and Mr. Andrew, the creative. Apprentice. <laughs> the apprentice. Yeah. The nice cap. He got the 40-ounce yeah. New York cap on. Style, style, style. And uh, today, you know, we want to discuss the jewelry world and life in general with these two guys. And um, I, I've, I've spoken with them before this interview, and it, it, I think this is going to be very enlightening for you uh, listeners out there. So my first question is uh, for Mr. Howe, what uh, your upbringing, what about your upbringing gave you the drive that you use in your life? Well, uh, Cedric, I'd say it's the same thing that happens to a lot of us. It's the guidance from our fathers, our, mm. you know, especially for a man, you know. And my dad was very driven, worked very hard, and instilled in me that, you know, find out what your passion is, and if you can find out what your passion is, you're going to be successful. Mm. And in my case, you know, I've, in fact, actually, the Houston Chronicle was there today interviewing me for an article they were doing, and she took it all the way back to my first job, mm. which was always being self-employed. Mm. The best part about it is the fact that my hobby was collecting watches, which then turned into I wanted another one, but I couldn't get rid of it. I, I couldn't buy another one unless I get rid of one. Right, right, right. So that's the day I crossed over from being a collector to a dealer. Mm. And so it's been a passion that I've had through all of my careers and all of the entrepreneurial businesses I've done. And now it's the thing I do full time. So, Wow. So I'd, I'd like to shed light on a key statement you made, which is you made your passion a way of life that you could live and thrive off of. Absolutely. That that right there is a key to life right there. That's that's golden right there. If you can if you can accomplish that, I think that's a you, you're happy, right? I know you're oh, happy. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I know that's that's a happy life well, right there. The Cedric, the thing that's really important here is when you find something you're passionate about mm -hmm. and your customer comes in and he sees that passion, right. they become passionate. Exactly. The, the energy yeah. feel, right? The energy exactly. big time. Yeah, I can I can understand that. I can I can definitely understand. They can feel the aura. They can see it in your eyes, and it's almost magnetic. They want to become right. a part of that. Yeah, okay. I can I can understand that. And for you, what 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 brought you into it? What brought you towards the jewelry? I I have to say that in, in a way, I feel really blessed to meet Hal and the the team, Terang and Barbara, and the rest of the team there at Hal Martin's is because, uh, in a way, I've been searching for this job. Mm. It took a long time to find this situation, but uh, I couldn't be happier. Mm. And one thing I wanted to mention, what Hal does that people don't understand is uh, he makes dreams come true. Mm. Yeah, you, had, you need to elaborate on this. I want to hear this. I had a case where uh, a couple were in this week, and... Uh, it was their fifth year anniversary, and they were looking at a bunch of watches. They were on the fence, and working with the Terang House partner, we put a diamond bezel on this uh, two-tone Lady State Just, and the look on this woman's face lit up. She turned her husband, shook her head, and said, that's it. And the husband says, is that what you want, baby? She said, that's it. And we put the bezel on right then and there, sized it perfectly, mm -hmm. sent her away happy. And it's the kind of thing that I know years from now, she's going to look down at that. She's going to remember that moment. That moment, yeah. She's going to remember the connection with her husband. True. And that's what Hal's expertise does. Mm. It and creates those those moments special, that, that remain special still. special moment. I felt really glad to be a part of that and really fortunate to, to meet Hal to take mm -hmm. part in that. I can, I can understand that because that's something that carries on with Customers. Oh yeah, years later. Yeah, Janard, you remember your first purchase? See, uh, you yeah, saw his eyebrows yeah, lifted. Yeah, yeah, when the yeah. eyebrow lifts, yeah, that's yeah. a sign of positive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, so I, I wanted to ask about um your dad being a major force in you know basically giving you wisdom and wise words at a young age. Um, how does he feel 
about, you know, your level of success at this point in life. No, very. I mean, he's real happy. My dad, unfortunately, passed away. Mm -hmm. um, well, actually, it was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But in building my business, he'd kind of semi-retired, and he actually came in and helped me build a business in the beginning mm -hmm. when I went into it full-time. Mm -hmm. uh, we can go back into the 80s when I went into it full-time. We actually consider the birth of the store 1973 because I've been really buying and selling and trading in watches mm. all those years. Right. But in, back in the 80s, when I had another couple of businesses and my wife at the time turned to me and she says, you know, you're making 80% of your income off of 20% of your time, which was your watches. She says, you need to change your priorities here. You know, yeah, that sounds about business. right. Yeah, That's that right. sounds about right. And I went into it full-time then and, and uh my dad came in there to help me when I, I started off by leasing an office from a good friend of mine, an attorney, and I just leased an office. Mm -hmm. And then when I outgrew that and I went into uh, my own space and my dad came in and helped me. And and so that guidance of having, you know, your best friend, your dad right there beside you and helping you build that business. Right. And it was invaluable. Right. Yeah, yeah. I can I can understand that. It can take you a long way. Because uh, basically you were a seed that, you know, he was watering. That's right. And um, another thing is the jewelry business. Um, you know, it's the modern day technology. You know, we have the Internet. I want to know how y'all feel about the online retailers. Like, how do you, how do you feel about that in, as versus the walk-in stores, the brick-and-mortar stores? Well, in our particular industry... Uh, we do, we actually sell online. In fact, actually, we take every oh, single great. watch that's great. that we have, and it's on our website, halmartins.com. That's great. You can see all the inventory. Mm -hmm. And what happens is we're not actually shipping out those watches to customers so much, but when they see it online, then they're calling the store, if it's somebody out of town, and he wants to talk to you about it. Because right. this is not a, I'm not buying a toaster oven. Mm hmm I'm buying a $5,000 watch or a $10,000 right, or a $20,000 watch. Right. But we've shipped as far away as Hawaii mm. uh, as well as to London, places like that, mm. to where we have customers. Most of the customers, though, want to come in and touch and feel when you're spending that kind of money. Yeah. And so comparing us to other online shopping, um, we're seeing that that's still the case. Unless you're buying new, obviously. Mm -hmm. but, but Cedric, our claim to fame and what's made us so successful is we're the largest store in Houston and one of the largest in the state dealing high-end pre-owned watches. Mm. And we can make those look just like uh, brand new. I mean, mm. it's just like when Gennard came in and bought his, you know, his two-tone Submariner, you know, that watch looks like a new watch. Oh, so you have one? Okay. He got, ex <laughs> he got excited. He, he got excited about it. Wow, you didn't tell me, man. I, I, yeah. I know about that, man. <laughs> Let me tell you a quick story that I think you'll enjoy. Okay. When my, one of my good dad's good friends said, you know, when a man was successful back in my dad's days and he closed the deal, the first thing he did is get himself a new pair of boots mm. or then a new suit. You know, he said, what's happened is the fine watch. And in our case, which drives the engine and all the watch market worldwide is a Rolex. Mm. That became the new symbol of I've become successful or I've closed a deal. Right. You know, I've either closed a big real estate deal or I'm an attorney and I just did a great case and right. won it or I just became a doctor today. All the way down to the guy that's the landscaper that, you know, started off with with five properties and now he's got 50 properties and that he's taken care of. He's successful. So it right. becomes the mark of success. Right. A great I, status symbol. A, a status, and I'm rewarding myself with it. Because if you think about it, a man, his piece of jewelry is a watch. Mm -hmm. A woman has got necklaces and yeah, earrings that's and true. bangles and anklets and that's pendants. And everything she can wear. Everything she can wear. You're right yeah. about that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I look at that uh, that transition that, in particular, the Rolex, and I say, uh, how did the wristwatch go from a wartime accessory, you know, World War II soldiers, to this status symbol, you know, that... A guy wore with the tux versus fatigues, you know, and I said, man, that's a mean transition. And it just came from the heroic nature of it. It's sure the guys wanted to, you know, the soldiers come back. They're wearing their watches. The guys who didn't fight looking at 
Oh, so that's how we look now? Yeah. And now, okay, yeah. let's put this pocket this pocket yeah. watch up. That's right. Let's go for the wristwatch. That's it. That's, a, that's an incredible transition right there. Huge transition. You know, Hal mentioned something, and I just wanted to touch on it, is our customers cross all lines, but the one thing they all have in common, like Hal said, is they're motivated. Mm. And that watch reminds them, that yeah. I'm motivated. Yeah. I'm motivated to get up early yeah. tomorrow and work hard and give 110%. And that's what the watch reminds them. I can see that. Too. And it cuts. It's it's women, men, all ages, all across lines. Mm-hmm. But that one thing, they're motivated. All those people walking in, they're motivated. I they can see that. They want that fine piece. They want that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And they're motivated to work hard and get it. Right. And that's and how makes those dreams possible. Now I'm getting the dream thing a lot more. I mean, even in the hip-hop world. Yeah. I mean, you got a guy like Meek Mills. You, yeah. you know Meek Mills? Yeah. Every other line he talking about is Roly. Yeah. He got... Sounds I got like my the, kind of guy. The, Why the, hasn't he been to the The Roly with yeah. the red, the blue <laughs> Roly, the Roly, 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 Roly. And then when they interview him, they say, hey, man, why do you keep putting it in the, your listener's face yeah. of your Rolex? Okay, we know you got a Rolex. And he says, motivation, inspiration. He said, these are the things that drove me when I was a young guy. When I saw, like you said earlier, before yeah. the interview, Jay-Z. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw Jay-Z with yeah. his watch on in the video, I didn't yeah. say, why is Jay-Z showing me that watch? Yeah. Is he trying to put it in my face? No. I took it as a sign of, I got to get up and go get it. Yeah. You know, and so. I did it, you can. Right. Yeah. And so that I came from where you come from. If I can do it, you can, you can do, do it. it. And exactly. that's pretty much what he was talking about. Exactly. So, yeah, I can definitely, his, what was his CD? Dreams. He had dreams, dreams over nightmares or yeah. something. He's something about dreams. Yeah. Like that's, his company is Dream Chasers. Yeah. So, I mean, for you to implement the dream aspect into the jewelry, I can totally understand that. Um, Like, like we said earlier, it's a status symbol. Um. Another thing uh, in regards to Rolex is I saw a story where what made them prominent in the early years was back to the wartime, the soldiers needed watches. And the guy, uh, what's his name, Hans? Hans Wilsdorf. Yeah. Yes, he he shipped off 2,650 watches to the Army, you know, and supplied them with him and said, if y'all win the war, y'all got them. You know, y'all lose, y'all owe me. <laughs> yeah. And they won. And yeah. at that moment, the the word Rolex began to flow, and it made him concentrate more on the craft of making those watches, making the smooth sweeps and things of that nature. And so I say, man, that's clever, clever, clever marketing, but it sounded as if it came from a place of passion. Right. Not yeah. just a, oh, I can come up off of this situation. Yeah. It's more of a, no, I'm actually, I actually feel for this situation. Yeah. And the turnaround of it is positive. Yeah. So uh, I never knew that story about Rolex, you know, um, but I know now. Yeah. So uh, what about the Swiss, the Swiss quality? Why is the Swiss stamp so, so important in the watch world? Well, why that is, uh, that's where all of the main watches that are automatic watches and manual wine watches were all created in the beginning mm-hmm. and it's still considered the hub of the watch industry. And this is way before quartz watches ever came about. Right, right. Uh, and actually, they're all hand-assembled. Each watch is, the precision of it is is critical in making it uh, to where it's accurate. In other words, a watch that goes through Switzerland and goes through what they call the COSC, which is a certifying organization mm. that regulates the watch as far as its accuracy. Mm. You know, a watch to be in uh, tolerance there can be no more than plus or minus seven seconds a day. Right. It has to fall into that right. category. No other place in the world are they building a watch of that quality. Mm. We do have, manu- there is a couple of manufacturers here in the States that, but they learned everything in Switzerland. Ah, the okay. standards are so high there. Correct. And with the quartz crystal, what I wanted to know was, you just spoke on this. The this. quartz watch? Okay, not the crystal. But oh, I'm the, sorry. The watch, but that's okay. Yeah, I don't... We're sticking a battery in yes, this sir. time. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. So, with the quartz... Yes. It's very accurate, right? 
Extremely. It's actually even more accurate in most cases than an automatic. It's like an oscillator, right? Correct. So my question is, why are the other watches the, what are they, chrono? Well, your chronographs and your chronometers. Chronometers. Right. Why are those more valuable and costly than the quartz if the quartz is more accurate? it takes nothing to build, uh, I say nothing, I mean, by comparison on cost, to build Mm -hmm. a quartz watch is significantly less Mm -hmm. than to build a hand-assembled, handmade Ah, it's the craft of it. The craft of it. Okay. Okay, it's like you can go down the street and buy a pair of uh, cowboy boots Mm -hmm. for $99, or you can have a pair of custom-made boots and spend $2,000. Ah, okay. Okay, you're going to feel the difference when you put your foot in that custom boot. Oh, definitely. Okay. So it's it's also a feel thing. Yeah. And the the sweep. The sweep hand? Okay. Yeah, what's what's so special about not being able to see the TikTok? Well, the TikTok, which you're referring to, is what we see in quartz watches because it is, in essence, not operating off of a mainspring. A mainspring winds up a watch. Right. And in the original watches, going back to even the pocket watches and that were built in the early days, mm-hmm. all work off of a mainspring. You wind up the watch, it winds up the mainspring, and so it allows the hands to sweep. Mm. A quartz watch is working off of a pulse from a battery, so it goes tick, tick, tick. Okay. Okay. Now you get it. Yes, sir. Okay. So what happens in that court? I mean, that automatic watch. What the development and one of the best things that uh, Hans Wilsdorf did with the Rolex was he created the automatic axle in it that allows a rotor to go around with your movement to keep that mainspring wound up. With your movement. With his movement. Oh, you know, okay. The Rolex, okay. Okay. Which keeps it so he, when you're you're carrying with your arms. And you're, you know, doing anything, it's keeping the watch wound. If you didn't have that automatic feature in there, when you wind up that manual wind watch, mm-hmm. over a period of time, it's going to unwind itself and stop. The automatic keeps it going. So if you remember, I can remember the first, one of the first watches my dad gave me was a Gruen when I was a kid. And it was a manual wind. I had to wind it up. So every morning, I'd wind it up. And it'd run all day. I'd put it down by the bed at night. And, and then next morning, I'd get up and wind it up again. That's cool. I mean, I think that's cool. Uh, what about weight? Like, why is weight so prominent with the watch, a watch, a heavy watch? Mm-hmm. The weight is really goes strictly with the, uh, that would be the, the, the design of the case and the design of the watch from the standpoint of aesthetics. It's no different. Like, think about it. You can have a, a car that they, one that's dressed out big, but it's the same engine inside and compared to one that's smaller. So the, the weight okay. is really created by the, the aesthetic looks. Right, right, right. Piece. But it's, it's more of a, the internal engineering that's really important that's with the, the watch. Part. Okay, okay, okay. I'm, see, I'm actually learning. By the way, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually, prior to this and during this, I'm learning. You Cedric, know, Cedric, let me tell you another one we were talking about earlier, these people that are successful and they have their dreams. Mm-hmm. The best, one of the best stories I have is about this young kid by the name of Mason. Okay. I won't use any last names. He was 11 years old. And he went to his mother and said, Mom, if I win the golf tournament, I want a Rolex. So, and he's 11 years old. His mother says, sure, no problem. Okay. <laughs> Well, the tournament that he won mm-hmm. was the National Junior Championship. Oh, this that's the, pretty big. That's the same thing Tiger Woods won. Yeah. The same thing that Phil Mickelson won. Yeah. And so this kid wins the National big. Junior. Big. So and she had to honor the bet. And so she marches him in and he picks out his first Rolex. Mm-hmm. You know, he's 11 years old. Well, he made his dream come true. <laughs> there you go. You know. <laughs> so you think he looks at that every time he takes that golf swing? Probably does. I, yeah, that's what I was about to say. He probably does. He's looking. Yeah. Um, so with, uh, is there a, a such thing as a daytime watch and an evening watch? Or is it just you wear that one piece all day long? Okay. Uh, 90, uh, I would say the greatest percentage of people when they find and they end up getting their first real nice watch, that's the watch they wear daytime and nighttime. Mm, so that's then it becomes the guy that's the passionate about watches. Like I know this guy Gennard that we're working on him, <laughs> and so he sits there and he 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 gets his first one, mm-hmm. and then the next thing you know, he's thinking, "Man, I want another one." 
Mm. That's the kind of guy we love because they start building collections just like yeah. I did. Yeah. And so, yes, I have one that I like to wear at night and one I wear with my tuxedo. Uh, okay. And I have one I like to wear during the daytime. Okay. In fact, I'm kind of unusual and different than a lot of people. I mean, I get up in the morning and I pick out my shorts, my shirt, the shoes that match that, and the watch that matches what I'm wearing that day because that's just... That's the level you on. We're going we gonna to do it like that on live stocks. That's the level you on right there. That's a different level. Me, you know, I, I, I go to work. Yeah. I, I, I want to be on that level. Yeah. But I wake up no. and I grab my G-Shock. Yeah. And as you can see, G-Shock going to go with this. Yeah. So there's no, there's no watch at all. <laughs> but that level, that's a nice level right there to be at. You know, um, yeah, it's, that's cool. I, I would say, do you... Um, your personal selection, uh, as far as watches, do you go based upon legacy, you know, in the sense of uh, the tradition of the brand, or could an upstart intrigue you? Upstart could intrigue me just as much. Mm. You know, when you become passionate about watches, the one thing you end up doing is like when a new watch publication comes out every month and you're going through there, you have two types of collectors. I fall in that group of collectors that I like the looks. I want the you know, the thing that just really grabs me, yeah. the eye. Then you have the other kind of collector that's the guy that's, he's really tuned into what's inside that watch, mm. how it functions and works. And mm -hmm. I've never been that guy. Mm -hmm. A know, performance just, based type of guy, engineering based guy. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so there's a watch called, well, uh, once I describe it, you may not even consider it to be a watch, <laughs> but it's called the Infinity Timepiece. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. Uh, it's a guy by the name of uh, Maestro Nose. He's he's more of a tastemaker, so to speak. And the watch, the timepiece, doesn't have hands. It doesn't it doesn't have a hand that go around. Okay, I've seen watches like that. Right, sure. it's just a face and a pebbled leather uh, strap. Right, or you know, and to me. I bought one, you know, years ago. It's it's the look, you know, more so than telling the time. So it doesn't tell time? No. it's That's what I'm oh, saying. Okay. It, so it's, this is really not a watch. That's what I was. I knew. Okay. I, I said, yeah. once I describe this, yeah. it's like, nah, but it's like the concept of infinity, you know. So he said, the time is infinity, so he don't even put it on there. I don't know. It just looked great. You know, it looked like, you know, something you could wear as an accent to something and it looks tasteful and great, but no, no engineering going on with, you know, uh, mainsprings or anything like that. Um, so you're more of a, a, a style look. Yes. More of a, the, what, what would they, what we, we call that? The, um, the model of it or. Yeah. Okay. The, model, the look, the design. Okay. The features, you know, those are the things that intri intrigue me. Mm -hmm. I do want it to tell time though. All right. Yeah, exactly. You know, I bought that. I was, man, I wish it had time. I looked at it for about two days. I'm like, maybe there's something to it to where I can see some time. And it was like, no, this literally is just this. That's, yeah, that's just a, it's kind of a fashion piece. Yeah, that's all it was. That's all it ended up being was more of a, a fashion statement. So do you have guys who are strictly history guys who just, who will buy a watch based upon the history yeah, of that watch? Absolutely. Okay. We have the ones like the vintage pieces, and the mm -hmm. ones with the history, and they like the brand names. We have one, you know, collectors in all of those different areas. Have have any has any uh, family um, treasures ever been brought in to you? You know, like great grandfather watches. All the time. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Is it just for maintenance or? A little of everything. We have where it's maintenance and we get it operating so it's passed down generation to generation. Okay, that's and cool. We'll, and then we'll get in the person will come in here and he's got granddad's old pocket watch like we were talking yeah, about earlier. Yeah. Nobody's going to carry a pocket right, watch Right, right, right. And the, the the value of it is really nothing significant mm. unless it was from one of the major watch houses. But most of your pocket watches that most people and most granddads had were U.S. made. They were made by companies like Waltham and Elgin and mm. Illinois, things like that. And they were used for the railroad. Mm. But so when granddad's, when that watch comes in, we tell them, you know, let's clean it up. And you put it in a shadow box on the mm. wall with a picture of granddad and a few other little tokens. That's the best thing to do with those sort of things. 
just just hold on to it. Yeah. I, I wanted to jump in here with uh, kind of the same thing where we had a customer who brought in. I know which customer you'll know this, Al, is uh, it was an older businessman who had three gold presidents from the 1970s that had all the gold bark barking on it. And uh, he wasn't wearing these watches and they were just sitting in his drawer. And uh, we took these watches, we put them on a crocodile strap, we used his uh, buckle, and we cleaned off all the gold barking, and we put three different colored uh, crocodile straps. So these three watches, they sat in a drawer probably for 15 years. Do you remember this customer? Oh, yeah. Older guy, Mm -hmm. friend of yours. And when I saw that watch come out of the back room with that croc strap on that and then cleaned up the... The uh, gold prez looked like a brand new watch. Mm-hmm. Here's three watches that he spent a lot of money on back in the 70s, sitting in a drawer, not getting appreciated. And he put that new watch with the croc strap on. His new gold prez looked like a brand new watch. Walked out and was like, holy cow, got another lease on life. And he had three different color straps to go with it so it matched whatever he was wearing. And, you know, that's... That's nice. Yeah, and that's that's definitely nice. That Hal's team has probably the only place that that could happen. So how do you feel about the culture of Houston in regards to your craftsmanship? Do you feel uh, like you get that level of respect that you deserve in the sense of the success of your business? Or is it more of an out-of-state thing? Oh, no, no. Houston is so much behind us. Mm. You know, as well as out of state, because and I think you can't replace longevity. You know, mm. I've been doing this oh, so long, yeah, yeah. and the ref, you know, the business is built through referrals and referrals and referrals. People just and you know, and you Google us, we're the first one that comes up. You walk into any major jewelry store and you say, you know, what do I do with my old Rolex or what do I do with my old Patek or my old Cartier? Mm. Nine out of ten of those stores are going to say, Will you take it to Hal Martin's? You hear that, listeners? Yeah, I can't buy that. (laughs) Nine out of ten going to say, you take that to Hal Martins. (laughs) You got it. Hey, well, then that's, that's, I have to, I have to tip my hat to you on that when it's, when it's that percentage. I say, um, me personally, I always wanted a Cartier. I always wanted one, you know, that was, that was the watch that caught my eyes growing up. You know, the Rolex, it was so calm. The name was so calm. I'm more of a. I value, you know, what's valuable, but I, when it comes to me purchasing, I like to go for something kind of valuable yet unconventional, so to speak. Exactly. So now, of course, Cartier is, is huge. But when I was growing, and it probably has been huge for a long, long, long time. time. Before you were born. Right. But when I came across it within, you know, more of a hip, hip-hop introduced me to a lot of things. So when I came across it within the hip-hop realm, we had already heard Rolex 30,000 million, billion, zillion times. And then all of a sudden I hear Cartier. And the first one I saw was platinum versus growing up. All I saw was gold Rolexes. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cartier was like, oh, I'm going to get one of them one day. You know, and that's exactly. so when I hear that name, it always rings a bell. Along with the specs, the Cartier lens oh, as well. Yeah. Those two, the watch and the lens, I always said, I'm going to get that one day. So yeah, you just name dropped something that I uh I really like. What are the most popular ones right now you get like for customers coming in saying they really like this cuz we hear APs a lot now. Oh, that's real popular. But I want to point out one thing real quick mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. I get into it. Oh, yeah, we we want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a Cartier over there that's calling out Cedric. To oh, here, here's the salesman. Here's the salesman. <laughs> he never turns it off. Yeah, he's yeah, off, yeah. but he's not off. That's right. I know there's a Cartier there that's got your name on it. And it, it really, the thing is, it just might, though. It, right. it, it just might. That's why I don't need to see it right now. Because right. if I see it, <laughs> if I see it, I'm going to have to find some kind of way to, all right, so what, okay. what, what, what anyway, we need to do? What do we need to do? Answer your question, APs, uh, yes, Audemars Piguet is but really popular now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they launched, I can't remember how many years ago when they came out with, they took the old Royal Oak design, which has been around for years and years and mm-hmm. years, and they modified that and came up with the Royal Oak Offshore, which is mm. beefier and neater looking. And uh, the watch has been a tremendous success for Audemars. Okay. And I heard you say Paget. Is that P-I-G-U-E-T? That's correct. All right. That was just a wild guess. So what makes what makes the Paget what it is? 
Well, we call them Audemars. We don't really. The last name is Piguet. Audemars Piguet, right? Right. And you just said the Royal Oak design. Is that, yeah. that That's literally the only thing that makes it what no, it is? No, no. They make a whole series. It's just like mm-hmm. Ford has multiple models. Right, right. Well, Audemars has multiple models also, mm. with the number one being the Royal uh, Oak Offshore. Okay, okay, okay. That's the hot So one. that's what it is. That's All right. the hot one. So you can have several different kinds. Right. So what? What's the? Uh, so it's like the Oyster Perpetual. What? What does that mean? That's, I hear it all the time. Okay, that's going back to Rolex. Right, right. Okay. The, the Oyster, Oyster Perpetual, Perpetual Roly. That was what they're referring to as the Oyster case. Mm. That is the first case that was invented uh, ever to be a waterproof watch. Was done by Rolex with the Oyster Perpetual. And Oyster is referring to like an oyster mm-hmm. you find in the water. Right, right. And, and so what it is, it's a three part case that seals itself up, so it's waterproof. Mm. And they're the first one to ever have created that. And that's what's called the oyster case. And then perpetual, when they're referring to that, is referring to the fact that it's an automatic watch. The motion. Okay. Okay. So I'm telling you, I'm I'm here learning. Uh, and I know the listeners are learning. And it's a lot of people out here who probably consider themselves to be watch aficionados. And they're hearing you right now and saying, oh, I thought I don't know. I don't know nothing. Like, I'm learning. Um, Rolex, Cartier, uh, Audemars. To get uh, any other prominent ones I'm missing? Oh, absolutely. There's Breitling and there's Panerai. The Breitling. Brigades. Uh, Vacheron, Patek Philippe, the finest watch in the world. We carry, oh, well, let's talk about that. We, <laughs> we, I want to hear about that one. What, what, the Philippe? Patek Philippe. Patty, all right. So what's up with the Patek Philippe's? Some people call it Patek Philippe. Ooh, ooh. You know, we just call them Pateks. Okay, what's up with the Pateks? Well, it's it's considered the finest watch in the world. Mm. It's all handmade. Uh, they at the auction houses, those will bring bring the top dollars when they're put up at auction. Mm. Uh, we sold one and one a couple of years ago to a collector out of Denver, and it was a turb a turbillion or turbion, mm-hmm. which is the most sophisticated, complicated, or accurate movement that's ever made in the watch. You know, and that was a watch we sold to him secondhand for 240000 So they get Whoa. up there and uh, Paddock makes a, a what they call a, um, oh, just drawing a blank on it. It's the, oh, okay. this one is a two-sided watch that shows the sun and the moon Whoa. on it. And uh, this watch you know, it's a million-dollar watch. And let's go half on that in, like, 10 years. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sky, that's what it's called, a Sky Moon Turbion. Oh, that's, I mean, it sounds ill. Ill is great. When, yeah. I, when I say ill, that's... Yeah. Is that a million years? <sighs> yeah. The complicated paddocks. Mm-hmm. And, the, and what, when, let me, here's a good thing we need to probably interject here for you, uh, Cedric. When we say complications, any type of watch that's beyond a plain vanilla just keeps time only is considered a complication. So every time, mm. like if they, if all of a sudden one has a stopwatch, we've added a complication. If one has a, a moon phase on it, that's a complication. If okay. it has a power reserve, that's a complication. The more complications you add to a watch, the more valuable right, it is, right, the more right. it goes up. Right. So Paddock is known for a lot of these big complication watches that are very, very expensive. And when you I think I'm a fan want, right now. When you want to get into that level of watch, mm-hmm. and this is the kind of thing that, by the way, if you own a paddock like this, it's very understated from the standpoint that the majority of the people would not realize what you have on. That's great. That's me. That's <laughs> But the person that does I, recognize what you have on. That's me. He's your kind of guy. <laughs> that's me all day. He also understands. You can co-sign that. that that's, <laughs> that's me all day. Okay, so I'm... Hey, Philippe, hey, I like y'all. <laughs> I like y'all. Movado, what one what? of those addicts of those complicated, you literally have to fill out an application that goes yes. to paddock. That's great. That's yeah. that's my speed. There that's the mm-hmm. that's I wish everything was like that. Yeah. Which I mean I'm pretty sure for everything you want there's a paddock in that you know, in that field. Yeah. But that's my taste. That's what I like to go for is uh not necessarily the inaccessible, but the if you something that if you have it, you really wanted it, and you don't want it for hype. You don't want it because everybody who sees it knows what it is. You want it because you want it. I Paddock, like that. Paddock's, uh, 
what the paddock says in all their ads is you never really own a paddock. You're just taking care of it for the next generation. <sighs> That's mean. That is. <laughs> That's, whew. I, man, I like that. And I don't even want to talk about Movado no more, but I still won't have to say Movado because I said Movado. He just, I, I should have waited for Paddock. <laughs> okay, so Movado, I, I've heard Movado growing up. What makes them special? The, actually, Movado in the early stages made a few really neat looking Art Nouveau and Deco, you know, watches that were really cool. But the claim to fame that made Pat, uh, made Movado really popular is mm. when they came out with the museum watch or the museum collection. Mm. That's the one that's at the plane's face with the one gold dot at 12 o'clock. And so that's in the... I've seen that. Yeah, that. I've seen that one like numerous times. That kind of put Movado on the map. It's still not a very... It's not an expensive high-end watch, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a very classy, clean look. That might be my first one. Mm -hmm. I might have to go. <laughs> I might have to start off Movado and then Philippe, hey, down the line, there you know. You but, uh, okay, so Movado was more on the, I'd say, uh, unconventional side of watches. You said, like, art, you know, deco, kind of nouveau. Uh, yeah, that's that's a nice uh, tradition to, to obtain. Um, leather versus, what, metal? Okay, good question. Uh, actually, we've seen a huge grow growth of people going to and putting leather straps on on their watches now. Even taking the uh, the metal bracelets off their existing watches mm. and putting a, especially the ones that are more vintage looking straps. And so we're having those made in Italy and putting them on watches. And mm. then also we're adding rubber mm -hmm. to watches now to create a whole nother look, and that's become real popular. Mm, okay, so, because I knew I, I saw, like, an influx of the, the leather straps as of late, and I didn't know if it was just my eyes or... Let me point out the fact that, going back to Patek Philippe, all of those fine, real expensive mm -hmm. watches, they all come on leather. Oh, yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. Uh, my next question is, uh, this is a this is a Citus Livestocks question right here. Okay. Uh, or should we be expecting a, a, a Hal's Martin watch, you know? We actually have a Hal Martin watch in the store. Ooh. And it's not <laughs> expensive. It's just one that carries our brand. Ooh, that's Ours, good. It has the H and the M. The, the hour hand is an H, mm -hmm. the minute hand is an M. That's good. What, yeah. what about the collections? Will we get some collections, some collaborative? Oh, I don't think it's going to be that. Because <sighs> this is, a, this is a, a quartz watch and this is a, opposed to a fine watch. Yeah. But a lot of people like the brand, and uh, so... We went ahead and created one with our our brand, our logo. On. Okay, well, we might get to the 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 Hal Martin fine fine tune collabs. You know, you one go. of these fine watchmakers may come through. Hey, I heard about you. I know you're from some other from Switzerland, and say, look, let's get together. Let's. I want to make this fine tune to what you want, and several, like you say, several different models and. Keep it going like that, and you—I mean, Jacob. He, what do you think about the Jacob? Jacob is a, in my personal opinion, uh -huh. kind of a flash in the pan. Oh, definitely, he's it. Jacob, Jacob is done, but how yeah. simple that watch was. Well, which one? You talking about the one with all the diamonds? Yeah, well, the one with the—it was like red, yellow, purple, right. and the base the, and all the different dials from different. Right, models. right, right. It was just the novelty. That's a, what we call a novelty type watch. That's right. not traditional. Exactly. And that you know they're gonna they're gonna open Come with and a go. bang and die with a bang. Come and go. You got it. And so you could be more of the Philippe. No, I'm never going to even go across that border. Ooh. Let me tell you, you don't want to. I've had friends that have started watch lines uh -huh. on their own, and I watched them open Fizzle and out. close. Getting into that business is way too hard to try to compete in the high end level. Mm. Just forget about it. Like mm. the one that we have with our, our logo on it, you know, with the HM. Yeah. I mean, it's $395. Okay, it's not that, an expensive that's watch. Pretty, that's pretty. I, for, for us poor people out there, that's. That's okay. <laughs> That's a nice chunk of change. So I mean, I, so a Movado. Since how much is a Movado? The average Movado. The I think you're going to be able to get entry level on a Movado is five hundred and ninety five dollars to maybe nine ninety five. But the okay. best thing about us, you know, we'll sell you everything like that at a discount, mm. so you don't have to pay retail. 
Okay, I'm I'm kind of I'm I'm in here exaggerating on the cost. Those are respectful prices. Yeah, uh, $400 signature watch though. That's that's pretty nice though. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty nice to um, have. You know, and what we find the guy that buys that watch, he already has expensive watches too. Right. He just buys this because of the novelty of it, and it's cool. Mm-hmm. That's okay. that's definitely understandable. Yeah. But to so to jump into that field of trying to compete in the actual watchmaking is. That's a that's that's no not going to do that. Right. Is it because of tradition, history or everything? No, it's just you're talking about trying to. Well, let's say you want to go out here and start a new car company. Mm -hmm. You want to go up here against all the big boys. I mean, you know, Tesla has been very successful what they're doing, but they're still in the in the red. Definitely. You know, definitely uh, in the red. And you know how much money it takes to do things like that. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing in the watch industry. If you try to jump into that arena. You know, you're going to spend a lot of money and hope and cross your fingers that you compete. The biggest problem we see with these new brands, there's so many brands over in Switzerland now that people over here have never even heard of. Mm. And you create a new one. If you don't have the marketing background or any history behind it, it's tough to make that watch sell in the market. Yeah, you know? that's sensible. That's sensible. So within uh, Switzerland alone, it, it's are you are you implying that it may be oversaturated in the sense of people who are wishing to be on no, that? No, it's not oversaturated. Okay. but it's just not a it's not an area you want to jump in and compete in. Right, it doesn't make sense. Right. Okay. What he just said is it doesn't make sense, <laughs> and something not making sense makes a lot of sense. That's right. So uh, I, I can understand that. Um, with Tesla, he he was able to do that just as a project anyway. You know, I more so looked at it as with Elon Musk, you know, the whole PayPal payoff. He could just, oh, I like this. Oh, rockets? Yeah. Let's see what I can do with these rockets over here. Uh, Electrical. I mean, he kept Tesla's name alive. I mean, because Tesla, you know, it, it was almost like we only spoke about Edison for a long time. Right. And for him to name that company after Tesla, it really... I, I hate to say it's after he's been dead for so long. He's finally gotten his just due. But, hey, he did it, you know, because right. he had the money to do it, and he did it. Uh, he wants us on Mars. He want, he want Mars colonized. Mm-hmm. So uh, what do you think about that? <laughs> I don't think I'll be alive. Mr. Hal Martin going to be on Mars? <laughs> I doubt it. I wrote a paper. Uh, I called it uh, Robots and Puppets, and I spent a nice chunk of it writing about Elon Musk. He said that um, artificial intelligence is going to take over the world in the next eight years. So what he says, he he said he he put a lot of money into a company called um, DeepThink, and it's an artificial intelligence company. And it's literally, like he says, that what we call artificial intelligence is not artificial intelligence. It's it's zeros and ones that we kind of... implement we use math and things of that nature he's saying this is real artificial intelligence where it has a mind of its own and he says it's very dangerous but then he says 12 years from now he'll have some people colonizing mars so i don't that's if if he's correct that's pretty close that's pretty close uh real close (laughs) he, he just wants to be like uh a frontiersman, you know, he likes to go into new frontiers, so he could he could be the guy that buys the first acres on Mars exactly. and name it Muskland or Musk Colony or something. Because I guess now, you know, he can't have his own state now. <laughs> you know, so it's like, where can I get my own state? Mars. I maybe get a country. You know, uh, Cecil Rhodes. He got what? Southern Rhodesia and Northern Rhodesia. Wow. To have your own country and compete in the Olympics, that's the kind of mind that uh, I think Elon Musk has. He has one of those try and conquer the world type of minds. But the Tesla car, yeah, he he's, he, he's definitely in the red. Um, I don't know if I ever want a car to drive for me. I think part of the enjoyment is to be able to drive. Absolutely. So... But you never know with the this next generation is that's true. To do less is more for them. They like things to be done for them, and they get enjoyment out of that. So we'll see. We'll, just, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I'm not with it though. I want the uh, Bentley. The Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> I want the Bentley. Nah, but I I, I love uh, I love 
what things I call sightest things. I love the things that are like the Philippe watch. And um, how would you, uh, how can I put it? How would you describe your taste overall? Is the is your watch taste exact to everything else in life? Like from what you drink to your choice of clothing to restaurants? Is it all like in line or is it all over the place? Cedric, I think I'm very, because I'm obviously older than everybody here mm-hmm. and I just turned 70 and... 70? Yep. See, I would have gave him 61. Yeah. I would have gave you 61. <laughs> Most people don't even put me at that. But Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, sorry. I, I'm, a, re- I'm a realist, man. Tell there them something. But uh, so what's happened is I've been very, very fortunate to be very successful in, as a result of building this business over years. And obviously part of that you enjoy, you know, better things. You enjoy, but it's interesting you say that. I, I'm never impressed by... Uh, and, and I think I saw this with tennis shoes for years mm-hmm. when people would go out and buy, you know, a $150 pair of tennis shoes and they were so impressed with it because of the price and the oh. name on it. Oh. I buy a pair of tennis shoes because I like the way it looks mm-hmm. and it may cost me $20 or it may cost me $100. Mm-hmm. But, and so that's where I beat to my own drum. And uh, restaurants, you know, the cars I drive, everything is based on what I like and what I look for. But uh, the other thing that I, it, when you when you turn 70 and you realize that you're trying to enjoy your life more and travel more and do more things like that, mm-hmm. you start simplifying. So you start getting rid of stuff. And that's what I've been doing is cutting back and, and so I can go out and enjoy more things as opposed to having to pack it all up. Right, I can understand that. So right now your life is more of a, a quality over quantity type of life. Absolutely. I can, I can understand that. Now, I'm the shoe guy. Now, if we were talking shoes, I could talk shoes for hours, but I, I actually look at shoes in the same exact way that uh, we've discussed watches. Same well, exact way. My wife came in one day and she got upset and she said, You've got too many shoes. She just exploded, and she. My wife's got a ton of shoes. Yeah. And so she wanted to bet me. She says, "You got 150 pairs of shoes." And I said, "I'll take that bet." Mm. We counted them up. I didn't have 150. I want to hear the number. I had 130. Oh, whoa, whoa! I won the bet, but whoa, 130. Yeah, that's true. And you know, and tennis shoes are kind of my. You know, I love tennis shoes. I I wear a pair of tennis shoes every day, and and that's what I like to wear because they're real comfortable on my feet. My feet have been through a lot of mm. hell in the handbasket, you know, mm. so they get beat up so much. And so now I enjoy my shoes. In fact, I'm looking for a picture in my closet. Yeah, I want to see. It. I want to see this. Oh, you should see this picture. It's uh, those it's are not nice. Up to date. Uh, these are bucket feet. Those are nice. Oh yeah, bucket feet are a great and deal. This is a Houston designer. So shout out the to, shout out the bucket feet in Houston. We might need to interview uh, the designer. Yeah, so th- this is an artist from uh, Houston, and he designed the top of the shoe, and the uh, rest of the shoe is bucket feet. That's nice, by the way. But this closet, that's just one wall. That doesn't show you the wall, the other two, you know, strips all the way around. I'm looking at these shoes, and I can definitely see taste. I, I'll just say that. I could definitely see taste. We'll let Jannard get a look at this. Some of these, I'm going to be honest, a few of these I'm surprised you own. <laughs> like, like seriously. And then you got the boots. And I know the boots are are, are costly. My mother is a, a boot collector. So I know those boots aren't aren't cheap at all and, like, probably handmade. But Yeah, they're Luke Casey's. Oh, yeah, definitely Luke Casey's. Yeah. I, I, I've, don't, don't laugh at me, but... uh. I've worn Luke Casey's. I've worn Luke Casey's, and you'd be surprised my upbringing. Yeah. You know, so junior tie down, junior breakaway, rodeoing, roping, along with trail riding. You know, yeah, so that picture. Really. Yeah, you saw the one. That had- yeah, that is something else. Matter of fact, I'll show you uh, my mother's uh, boot collection. Well, she don't have a boot collection on there, but she just uh, posted her early early birthday present to herself. Yeah, this this collection is is a surprise. Let me see. Let me show you real quick. And uh, we need the website again so I can give these listeners the website. It's Hal Martin. Hal Martin's, yeah, halmartins.com. 
HalMartins.com. H-A-L-M-A-R-T-I-N-S.com. Dot com. And the, is it the, a wide inventory or a select? Oh, a huge inventory. So go there. Like I said at the beginning, I was informed. Now I know for sure. It's a blessing to have you here. He's a jewel. He's a Houston jewel. Uh, Jannard did give me the total rundown on you, by the way. <laughs> you know, but it's more so a presence type of thing with me. You know, I, I hear things all the time. So it's more so when it happens, then I I kind of become a believer, so to speak. So thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. Well, like I said, Cedric, uh, there's, a, a, there's a Cartier <laughs> over there that's kind of calling your name. If I'm in there and I'm looking at it, you, it, I'm not going in there unless I can buy it. Okay. So when I, when you uh, see me look at it, yeah. sale's already made. <laughs> like I'm just letting you know the sale is made as soon as I look at it. She, uh, uh, I know she put it up today. I want to show you this so you can kind of see. Um, she put it on her timeline. Mm. If it don't come up, then... I guess I'll forget about it, but it doesn't want to load. Who are you with? Uh, AT&T. Oh, see, I'm with with, uh, Sprint, taking forever. This loaded, but I guess it wasn't a timeline photo. Come on, mama. Anyway, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm still going to fiddle with it while I'm talking. Um, This was very informative, by the way. Um, I appreciate your presence once again. Uh, I'm definitely educated now on uh, the fine aspects of watches versus just the looks and names ringing bells. Um, and yes, this is this was great. This was great. And uh, you have any uh, pardon words for the listeners? Well, Cedric, I just want to thank you for inviting us to come on today and really, really appreciate oh, it. Oh, no problem. Because we've had a ball here. Uh, I didn't get a chance to really tell you how I started found Andrew when we were out. Oh, we got time. We got time. How did you find Andrew? Well, Andrew, uh, it was so funny. We were looking for somebody. We had an opening at the store, uh, and we posted a a job description on that zip. I think it's called Zip Recruiter. Zip Mm -hmm. Recruiter. I know exactly what that is. And Mm -hmm. we got in in within the first few hours over 42 applications. (laughs) And the thing about Andrews is it came in and it was three, three line paragraphs. Excuse me, they weren't even lines. They were just short. It was about this big. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and, what did you put in that? I want... and, and then the first one was who he was. And the second one was where he worked for 14 years as a, as a supervisor in Trader Joe's. Mm. And the third one was uh, his education. We were so intrigued at a guy that that's all he sent to us. We said, we better give this guy a call. And we came in and uh, uh, and we looked at that and said, boy, this is a man we, I think we need to steal him and get him to leave Trader Joe's, who uh, is an incredible operation they got there. Mm-hmm. And the experience he brought to the table for us from that marketing and retail experience Mm. And besides Trader Joe's, I think he's got like over 30 years of that sort of thing. And his wife did too. We said, this is guys a steal. Oh, that's experience. And I got to find somebody because like I said, I want to travel and do more things like that. I need right. somebody coming up in the ranks there. Yeah, hold the so, fort down. Hold the fort down, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so, yeah. Andrew's a, an interesting an interesting fellow with a lot of stories and a lot of neat things, especially for this uh, generation younger than me. So Andrew has on a 40-ounce Cap, by the way, listeners, I know I said it before, but I want y'all to understand this. That right there, it, it lets me know you're very interesting. Right there alone. Okay. <laughs> you're like, how superficial of him, but it's true. I mean, it's it's not something I see every day, like, on anybody. And then the bucket feet. You know, the the more I get to talk to Hal and learn about Hal's story and then Terang's and Barbara's uh this has been a blessing for me, meet, meeting uh, meeting them and Hal's team and his organization because there's a lot of overlap. And not only, like, I, I came in with a bucket feet, and Hal goes, are those bucket feet? I'm like, yeah, they're bucket feet. Mm. He says, I got bucket feet. And uh, just the stories hearing from all the people there, I'm like, wow, they like that too. And 
they like this and right. they listen to that kind of music. And like, what kind of music do you listen? We're talking about like, oh, I like that too, and I like that too, and what kind of watches are you interested in? And so there was a real the synchronicity of it. Yeah, okay. there's a real common ground, and it just felt right. You know, it's it's nice to come home. So, what kind of music do y'all like too? Well, I'm a little younger. I'm a little older than you, and I'm a little uh, younger than Hal. So I grew up with everything. So I. My dad grew up listening to jazz, and my mom listened to uh, rhythm and blues. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm younger than Hal, and so I grew up listening to uh, rock and roll and hip hop. Mm. So I listen to everything from anything from soul and jazz to mm -hmm. hip hop and rock and roll. Okay. And who who are your, some of your favorite bands or uh, musicians? Well, I like everything from Cab Mo. Over in Louisiana, yeah, uh, he's just fabulous, and uh, I like a lot of good country western stars as well as rock and roll and jazz. I'm so country jazz and western, man. give us, give us, uh, give us your top, <laughs> your, your top five. Oh man, my top five in country western. Um, oh God, putting me on the spot. Well, George Strait, I guess, is probably one of okay. all time. Favorite. Okay, that's a staple. You know? Okay, yeah, he's a staple. He's good. Uh, you know, and um, oh, what's the other one that I love so much? I can probably just look on my phone here and tell you which ones they are. Old George. Yeah, George is good. I know. I know a lot of George. I know uh, early. You know, I'm younger, so yeah. I know mostly early '90s to early 2000s George. Okay. You know, I don't know any of the '80s. '80s stuff. I know '80s country, but yeah. not necessarily George Strait. Yeah. yeah. Um, I tell you, the other ones. I love Bob Seger. Oh, but, but Bob's not country. That's country, rock and that's soul. Rock, that's right. And a little blues. Uh, that's some motorcycle uh, music. God, what's the one that I really enjoy too? That was married to. Uh, oh God. Uh, was it uh, George Jones? No, I like George Jones. He's good too. Okay. Uh, there's a there was a sleeper one there. Eva Cassidy. She's great. She, mm. she is uh, great. Yeah. You, you like Conway Twitty? Yep, I like Conway Twitty. Hank Williams Jr. Oh, you uh, like the Junior? Yeah, I jump into. Uh, what is the one I'm trying to tell? Oh, what was this? Mm. Going, I'll tell you real quick. What, you like Waylon? Waylon Jennings. Waylon yeah. Jennings. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. See, I, I know I know some, yeah. some 60s, 70s. Oh, here's the one I was looking for, Lyle Lovett. Oh, oh yeah. I like Lyle, Lyle Lovett. Yeah. I like I Lyle Lovett. He's good. I like Lyle Lovett. I'm more of, like I said, I'm more of a 90s guy, so I'm the, the younger Blake Shelton, you know. I like Blake Shelton, too. Sure. I like Ooh. Gary Allen, mm -hmm. you know, uh... I like Tracy Lawrence in the early '90s. Uh, you already said George Strait. I like younger Toby. I like the '90s guys, but uh, a song that I really love is "Tequila Night" by John Anderson. I don't miss that one. Don't ask her on the straight "Tequila Night." Sounds like one I need to listen. She'll to. be thinking about him, then she's ready to fight. That's my, right. <laughs> that's my song. But okay, so country and jazz. You more of a, a Miles Davis is to me. Yeah, the, that's up at the top. Yeah. yeah. For me, that's definitely the top. Delonious. I have some of that. Uh, friends of mine have uh, given me some, but uh, I would say, uh, yeah, Miles and Duke Ellington Ooh. and, you know, some of the older uh, jazz artists. Yeah, Duke, Duke. And uh, B.B. Uh, uh, King. Don't forget B.B. King. B.B. King. And, uh, oh, if we talk blues, that's... I love blues. Blues is me. See, yeah. I'm soul and blues. Now... Yeah. Have I'm you, a hip hop artist. Cap Mo, have you listened to any Cap Mo? No, but I've heard the name. Oh, see, you, I've you heard make, the name. When we leave the night. You need to just listen to some Cap Mo. It's He's gonna good. happen. It's good. I'm more uh, early, early, early. You know, Lightning Hopkins. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, I'm more just gritty, yeah. raw. You know, just guitar and thick, yeah. thick, gritty vocals. Mm -hmm. To the, I grew up in a cafe, uh, okay. a juke joint, you know, serving beer, smoking yeah. cigarettes, you know, jukebox yeah. playing. So I, that's my kind of blues as well. Johnny Taylor, Bobby Blue yeah. Bland. Oh, love, oh, Bobby, I love Bland. Bobby Bland. Oh. Yeah, that's my favorite, by the way. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby Blue Bland, Bland is my favorite, by yeah. the way. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't yeah. do that, but he's my favorite. Yeah. Um, Tyrone Davis. You know, I, I'm more of the cafe blues. Yeah. You know, because I, I grew up watching yeah. the people drink and yeah. go yeah. put the money in and hit yeah. the dance floor yeah. and drink some more, put the yeah. money in and hit the dance floor. So those are my guys, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I'm a, I'm a blues guy and a soul guy. Like, to me, James Brown is is my... Right, right, right. That's my... 
up there, you yeah. know, and I, and Al Green. That's yeah. both. That's classic. Yeah, that's I, that's my type of feel, you know. So, yeah, I'm a hip hop artist, but I actually implement those emotions into yeah. my music. So, Good. it is what it is. So, yeah, it's, it was great hearing the the music aspect of things because honestly, that's something that I usually ask at the beginning of interviews. You know, um, but I was trying to get down in time because usually when the music discussion happens, that's why we end up with the two hour. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, let me let me not do that. But uh, once again, I appreciate you guys presence uh, immensely. I mean, I, I definitely did not know the level that you were on at all. And that's mostly due to me not, like I said, thinking about purchasing jewelry and kind of cutting it off at like 10 years old like I'm uh, we we struggling over here I don't even that wasn't my motivation but I knew everybody that was their motivation most of the people I grew up with jewelry was their motivation a motivating factor but I appreciate the interview 100% and I tell people to strengthen their strengths and educate their weaknesses and I feel like that's a that's a major key um to life um you have any any Models, one-liners, um, or <laughs> anything. I'm not I'm to put you on the spot, but if any of you guys have... Hal's the man. You got any? Any for the people out there? Oh, just find out what you're passionate about <laughs> yeah. and attack it. That's yeah. what's going to make you successful. Attack your passion. Absolutely. Thank you, and we're out, and I hope you guys enjoyed it, and thank you for partaking and listening. Once again, Citus Livestocks.